Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Not that prayer. You just have to trust uh, what the Lord is doing. If you have your bulletins, you can join me. It starts by saying, Lord God. Lord God, help us to love you enough to humble ourselves before one another, confessing those things that we have said and done that have damaged our brothers and sisters. We confess our inhospitality toward others, our lack of inclusion and listening to those of other backgrounds while letting their gifts go unused. Help us to conquer the fears that have paralyzed us for generations. Help us to wash one another's wounds and become the healing community that you died for. I'd encourage you to take a moment in silence and confess your own needs before the Lord. God, we we confess that we don't always get it right. We confess that sometimes knowingly and unknowingly, we miss it. Sin is a regular part of our lives that we know you died for to eradicate from us. And yet sometimes we cling to it and run to it in ways that just continues to break your heart. So God, forgive us. Forgive us for moving the mark, for not centering on you. Lord God, I love the fact that you say in Scripture that if we confess that you're faithful, that you're just, that you forgive, and that you cleanse us. So God, hear our confession today. We receive the cleansing that can only come through you. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, church, this is a special time in, uh, in, in, in this church body when we get to gather together to celebrate uh, a family and their decision to, to commit their son to be raised up in the faith. So I'm going to invite the Clarks to come on up, make their way up here. And, uh, and young people, you get to watch and enjoy this with us as well. And uh, if you're here and you're like part of the Clark's extended family, just wave your hand. Just wave your hand. You're here. You're celebrating. And we want to celebrate you as well. So we, there you go. There you go. It's good to see all of you. Yeah, yeah. We can clap. Yeah, that's good. Come on up. Come on up. Right up here. Here we go. I feel like, I feel like we've done this once or twice. It's so good. It's so good. If you, if you stand just like that, everybody's going to see the back of your head on the camera. There you go. All right. Well, look, man, this is a special day and a special occasion. Brian, let's get a full name here. Declan Sterling Clark. Declan Sterling Clark. You are definitely a Clark kid. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Hey, who's that? Oh, man, church, look at this. Come on, celebrate this, y'all. God is so good. God is so good. Look, baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through that grace that we, make, uh, that we are made right and righteous and heirs of eternal life. Those receiving the sacrament of baptism, through it, come into the fellowship of the church. We recognize that baptism is a sacred moment in the life of the church, and that's why we invite all of us to, to participate corporately. We baptize young kids like this upon the faith of their parents, and then older kids slash adults upon profession of their own faith. So today as we participate in this baptism, what we're doing 
as we're hearing Brian and Krista and their extended families' testimony of their faith, that they're believing one day that young Declan would become a young man of God, that he would surrender his own life to Jesus. And from now until then, they're just simply asking all of us to participate with them in raising up this young boy to actually believe the things that are being said on his behalf today. Those fingers are good, aren't they? So good. Church, if I've learned anything over the last 10 years here at Roxborough, I've learned that it does indeed take a village. It takes an entire village. And, and, uh, and I want to say this to all of us. We've got a good village. We've got a really, really good village. And uh, every good village has, uh, has moments that you want to celebrate and moments you want to run from. But even when you try to run from them, the village calls you back, brings you right back. So, young buddy, we're making a commitment to you today. We're making a commitment to you and to mom and to dad and to your brothers and to all the rest of your extended family that we're going to be a part of your story. I'll give you back to dad here. Whew, I'm going to work on my arms. <laughs> Brian and Krista are today express, uh, presenting Declan for the declaration, uh, for, excuse me, for they're presenting Declan for Christian baptism. Since baptism is a sacrament, this is a sacred moment in the life of the church. We do not believe that baptism imparts salvation. But we do believe that Christ gave this holy sacrament as a sign and a seal of his covenant and promise. Christian baptism is an acknowledgement of God's grace at work in the life of this child within the care of his mom and his dad and extended family. And it points forward to his own personal response that one day we pray Declan would make, trusting in Jesus. So Brian and Krista, I ask you, do you desire for Declan to be baptized? If so, we do. Brian and Krista, in presenting Declan for baptism, you are hereby witnessing to your own personal Christian faith. Do you announce your faith in Jesus Christ? To sh and show that you desire to know him, to love him, and to serve him as his disciple, and that you want young Declan to do the same one day. If so, we do. Will you nurture Declan in this church, that by your teaching and example, that he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, with God's help, we will. Now to the extended family. That's those standing here and those out there. Wave again if you're extended family. There you go. That's you. So good, so good. All right, here we go. Nurturing a child is not only the duty of the parents, but it's also the responsibility of godparents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and the larger extended family. So to any family that is present here today, or any of you who are watching at home, will all of you as members of this family agree to offer Brian and Krista and Declan your unqualified love and care, sharing in the responsibility for his physical and spiritual nurture. Now let me, before you say we will, or I will, but you're, that's going to be your answer, I will. Before you say that, I also want to give you the parenthetical. The way that plays out is like, Coming over late at night when they've got to rest and he won't sleep. Uh-huh. Uh, babysitting when they haven't had a date night in a while. Uh-huh. Uh, picking up from school or dropping off from school. Um, when Krista's down or when Brian's not able to cook, you're dropping a meal off. Those kind of things are the ways that the village is all a part of this story. So I'll ask you again. Will you, extended family... Offer your unqualified love and care to share in the responsibility of his physical and his spiritual nurture. If so, resoundingly declare that I will. All right, there you go. So, Declan, this is our moment. I haven't heard any noises from you yet, but I think that might change. All right, so what's going to happen here, buddy? Let me just explain it to you so you say, Pastor Ray told me what was going to happen. So I'm going to dip my hand in the water. And when I dip my hand in the water, 
I'm going to feel how cold it is, and then you're going to feel how cold it is. So what's going to happen is I'm going to take the water, and I'm going to put it right on your head like this, and I'm going to baptize you. And when I do that, I am telling everybody here that we agree that one day upon the faith that's given to you by mom and dad and by the entire church, that one day, young Declan, you're going to say yes to Jesus. And we're believing that in faith. Are you ready? Sounds right. All right. All right. Let's see. If I get back here, we won't be blocked off. You can still see mom and dad. You can see everybody else. You can feel, you can feel the water. Tell, tell everybody how it feels. Come on. Come on. Put your hand in here. Tell everybody how it feels. Feels good? Is the right temperature? All right. Good. All right, young Declan, you ready? They said, when I was in seminary, they said, use a lot of water because it reminds you of a lot of grace. All right? So you're about to get wet. Declan, Sterling, Clark, upon the faith of your mom and dad and the entire church, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son, oh, this one's going to be it, and the Holy Spirit. Declan, we love you, and we're believing that God has a great plan for you, and you've got a family to help you live into it. Church, I want to introduce you to young Declan Sterling Clark. <laughs> Baptized on this day to believe in Jesus Christ. Let's pray for Declan. Father God, we pray over this young man. We pray, Lord God, that the same way that he experienced the waters today, that he will experience the forgiving waters of Jesus Christ washing over him in the days ahead. Lord, I pray that every day you will continue to declare your truth to him through mom and dad, through brothers and family, and through the entire church. And I pray, God, that he would find himself rooted in this community and in this place where he could find people around him to nurture him in the faith. And that one day really soon, God, even sooner than we would all imagine, one day really soon that he would declare those truths to be his own and you to be his Savior. From now until then, young Declan, baptized into the family of God through the life of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with the clerks. Now, church, as we wrap up this time of baptism, I want to, uh, I want to go ahead and invite you to participate with us in declaring the things that we believe. These are things that we, we, we hope that one day Declan himself will believe in as well. Clark, you can go ahead and make your way back to your seat. Go ahead and stand to your feet and join me in, the, in uh, reciting together the things that we believe in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 All right, let's celebrate one more time. Young Declan, baptized into the life of the church. You may be seated. Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
so excited to, uh, to share with you today, um, having not been in this spot for the last number of weeks, it, is, it feels really good to be back and really good to be back in front of uh, our congregation. Matter of fact, it felt so good that last night I uh, headed out to Wissahickon Church, um, which we meet together at 5.30 on Saturday nights. If you're ever free, you might want to join us there as well. And I headed out there last night with an excitement and energy to preach this same message that I'm about to preach now. Um, however, what uh, there was some, there's some, some, some wires got crossed and Pastor Charlie was so excited to preach too. And so we rock, paper, scissor. He won. And so, uh, so you, you, get, you get the fresh dose of it today because he preached last night. Um, but God is good. God is good. Right, Pastor Charlie? God is good. God is, God is good. God is good. All right. So here you go. Father God, would you bless your word as, we, as we've heard it read? And all the things that have been a part of this service, God, we're moving in one direction, right? We're moving towards, uh, to, towards hearing your voice through your word and towards responding to your voice. And so as we wrap up this series about the names of God found through Psalm 23, God, as we, as we, as we bring, a, bring a close to this, God, I pray that you would drive home uh, what you've been doing over these last couple weeks. Thank you for the faithful witness of Pastor Crawford, who has uh, faithfully delivered the word throughout the month of August. Uh, God, I pray that you would honor him as well. But now as we, as, we, uh, as, we, as we hear your word, as we make sense of your word, I pray that your spirit would be at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you haven't followed along, you, you, that's the image. You want to go back online, check it out on our YouTube page. Listen to the last uh, four weeks of messages from Pastor Crawford, who, who walked us through Psalm 23. Today, I'm in the sixth verse, the last verse of Psalm 23, and, uh, and I'm really excited to kind of look at this final name or attribute of God that we see in the 23rd Psalm. But here's a refresher. Uh, you, might have, you might remember that Pastor Crawford taught us that, that God is our shepherd. He's our guide. He taught us that God is our provider, that God is our healer, that he is the God of righteousness, that he is the God who is ever-present, that he is the God who covers us. And so today, I invite you to hear that God's name is the God who is our inheritance, that he is our inheritance. Um, how many of us can testify to this? We know that at times, life can be difficult. Let me see your hand go up if you believe that you know that sometimes, somehow, some way, life can be difficult. Here we go. Here's another thing we testify. How many of us can say, we know that at times life isn't as difficult, right? It's not always that hard, but there are some times that are a little more difficult than others. Amen? Amen? All right. You, you've experienced some? you experienced some? Or you know somebody who experienced some? Or you heard about it on a TV show one time? Um, th th there are some days that the sky is a little grayer than others. We, uh, we uh, got, got, had a great vacation. We Went up and I was I was I was preaching up in uh, up in New Hampshire for two weeks, um, for for ten days straight. I was preaching up there, and then we we moved across. We motored across an hour to the east, and, and lo and behold, you get into the small state of Maine. We're in a small state of Maine, and it might be a big state for all I know, but we're in Maine. Is it a big? Anybody know is Maine a big state or a small state? I think you guys all just said I don't know. <laughs> there you go. So we're we're in Maine and we're hanging out and. Uh, and, uh, and, and we, we have an RV, so we were camping, and the people in the RV next to us, they, they seemed like they were closing up their camper really fast. And so I just said, what are you doing? Like, it's the middle of the day. Where, where are you going? You just got here a day or so ago. Why are you leaving? And he was like, have you watched the news? I said, no, I'm on vacation. And he was like, uh, there's a storm coming. And I was like, oh, okay. That happens. And he was like, it's a big one, and the winds are strong. And, uh, and he started to kind of paint this picture of the devastation of this storm. I, I don't want to make light of storms, especially in the day and age that we're in right now, but I was not going to move. We were, in, we were in Maine, and we were settled, and we was not moving that RV. Like, anchor down somehow. We're not going anywhere. But anyway, he packed up and left, and, and, and he was right. The storm was coming, and the, the bright, sunny, sunny days that we had had before that were, were now becoming a faded memory because the sky was graying. And, uh, and, and, and now it was like overcast. I mean, tough, tough life situation. We're in. It was overcast as we sat out there around the fire with 
marshmallows and all the things that you have at campfires. <clears throat> but I was reminded of this. Not every day is a cloudy day. But when you're in a cloudy day, doesn't it feel like it lasts forever? When you're in a dark moment, when you're in a hard, difficult situation, doesn't it seem like it's the only thing you know? Right? You're just like, man, like, here it is again. Is this ever going to end? Will, the, will, you know, will this ever pass? Will this funk move on? I mean, if you've ever experienced a gray day, then you need to lean in today because I want to give you some hope that we find in the 23rd Psalm that points to the fact that this is not going to last forever. If you flip with me to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to start in the 31st verse. I think verses 37 and 38 are going to, or 38 and 39 will jump on the screen, but I'm going to start in the 31st verse just so you get some context. Here's what it says. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered to be sheep that are to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, here's what it says. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus, our Lord. Listen to this, y'all. Paul's writing this letter, and as he writes it, he's describing things that he's experienced, but he's also describing some things that he's hopeful for, some things that he's come to believe that he hasn't yet experienced. Look, he's not experienced death yet. He doesn't yet know what happens post-death. Right? But he's believing upon faith and from the experiences that he has had that these things seem to line in this direction. That it seems like God is so for us, that God is so on our side that nothing can move us away from that spot or nothing could change that reality. Maybe I would say it this way. Paul is writing with a great expectation that the things he knows of God before will continue to be true of God today. Maybe that's something we need to hang on to. Paul is writing with an expectation that the truths of God will remain consistent and true all the way through his day. We know that Paul's life ends in martyrdom, right? And then as a result, as was true with many Christians in the early days, as a result, these hopeful moments that they're writing are things that they would hang on to, that they would cling on to. Maybe when you're in that gray day, when you're in that difficult moment, when the circumstances of life aren't going the way you expected them to or you hoped they would, when everything around you might be saying give up, maybe there's a truth that you can hang on to here as well. There's a consolation in Scripture. We read the stories of biblical heroes, and, and they don't all have sunny days. Not every one of their days is filled with joy and thumbs up. Some of them have moments that you're like, how did you ever make it through that? So the next time you go into work, and it seems like someone else at work got off on a bad start, here's a moment for you. The next time that you, the, 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 the thing that you were leaning towards or, or going after just seems like it's out of reach, and now you no longer know your way, here's something for you to hang on to. 
Paul instructs us that the goodness of God awaits the believer regardless of circumstances. You'll find this as my first point today. The goodness of God awaits the believer regardless of our circumstances. Let me say this again because I want us to hang on to this. God's goodness, his plan, his will, his for you, his being for you is ahead of you regardless of what you're in right now. To the marriage that's struggling, God's best is still for you regardless of how difficult this moment is. To the person who's wrestling with finances, God's best is still for you regardless of how difficult the circumstances. To the person who's like, I don't want to go to work tomorrow because my boss is mean. God's goodness is still for you regardless of how difficult the circumstances. As we sat today and through the last couple of weeks, and as we watched the tragedies around the globe, and as you heard our hearts expressed in prayer at the beginning of the service, God's goodness is still for his people regardless of how difficult the climate is all around this world. God is for you. He is for his people from the beginning to the end. And Paul seemed to hang on to this hope as he wrote about nothing being able to separate us. And he gave these illustrations of these counter things, right? Angels and demons, present and future. Uh, uh, um, Sorry, sorry. Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither highs or lows, nor anything that, that has been created. Nothing can move us, can separate us from the love that we experience through Christ. Psalm 23 in, the, in, 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 uh, in the, the sixth verse says this, Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. Now that doesn't mean that David, when he wrote this psalm, wasn't saying, uh, you know, there's going to be some days that are hard. Like we know that David had to run for his life. We know, that, we know that David had people who were out to kill him. We know that, that David's own people at times were questioning his leadership, right? We, we know that, that, that God had to send a prophet to speak to David because of his own boneheadedness. Y'all, y'all know that? All right, if you don't know that, just Google that story. That's a, that's a good one for you to read. But, but we, we, we know that David had these moments, and yet he still is able to testify this. He says, surely what's ahead of me is your goodness and your love because it's with me from now until the very, very end. Church, maybe we need to hang on to that today. Do you believe that the goodness of God awaits the believer regardless of the circumstances of life? Can you testify that to be true? You know, maybe, uh, you know, in First Peter, he says it this way. He says, always be ready to give an account for that in which you put your hope in. He's writing to the church an encouragement. The church is like, hey, you know, uh, pastor, it's like, things are just awful. Things are falling apart. The world seems to be against us. And Peter writes and he says, but just be ready to give an account for the reason why you're still hopeful. His instruction to the church was, yes, that's all true. That doesn't change who God is or what God is doing. So we remain hopeful. We remain faithful in the belief and the trust that God is doing a great work for us. Somebody needs to be reminded of that today. Somebody needs to hang on to that hope today. Turn with me to the book of Revelation in chapter 7. We're going to move a little quicker here so we don't run out of time. Revelation chapter 7. I'm going to pick it up in the ninth verse, and, uh, and I'm going to read through. Uh, but you, we're going to highlight down on, verses 17, uh, on verse 17. But here it is, verse, starting in verse 9. It says this. After this, I looked. This is John. He's writing this letter. He had this vision, this dream, and he wrote it all down after the dream was over. He said, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Every nation, tribe, people, language, they were all standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
And all, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the, the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, and they began to say, Amen! Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And then one of the elders asked me, these in the white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? And I answered, I said, sir, you know? And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. Verse 17 says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is this vision, this dream that, that John has of, of what the eternal, eternal side is going to look like. And, you know, he says, he says man, everybody was gathered around. It was like, it was like there was, we were all hubbed in a circle. And right in the middle was, was, was Jesus. And he was on the throne. And, and people were worshiping. And, and the palm branches were, were waving. And, and, like, just all these things, all these great moments were happening. And, and there were people who looked like me and people who didn't look like me and people who sounded like me and people who didn't sound like me. And, and we were all together, and it felt so right. For the lamb was at the center of the throne. The lamb was at the center. The centerpiece of all of eternity, as John thinks about it, as, he, as, he, as he's been given the vision from God, the centerpiece of our forever. Watch this. It's not me. It's not you. The centerpiece of our forever is Jesus. He's on this throne in the middle of the room. And everybody is just trying to get close. And they're, they're, they're there and they're like, yes, this is right and this is good. And somehow in that space, in that forever space, God is right, perfectly situated in the center. And we're all drawn in. In the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter in the third verse, he says this, he says, and if I go, this is Jesus telling the story, he says, if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me, that you also will get to be where I am. God's desire for us is to be with us forever. Think about this, think about this. I, I, I don't want to lose anybody, but watch this. From the very beginning of our Bible, if you flip all the way back to the front of your Bible, and you get past the part where the credits are, right? In the beginning of your Bible, it tells you, like, you know, who published it and all that stuff. If you get past that part, you get to the important parts, right? The book of Genesis is where it begins. The, the book of Genesis starts the story of God, right? And the story of God is God has an idea. He says, I know what I'll do. You, I'll make you. And he makes you, right? And then the, the rest of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 tells us all of the illustrious ways in which God creates things. Everything from, like, you know, finding dirt and spitting in it to, like, dreaming of where the stars would be and pointing it up in the sky and then into there, right? Like, this is the story of how God created, right? Point of the story is not, you know, you know did God create the four-leaf clover or the three-leaf clover or is one of them, like, a, you know, a mutant of the other? Like, it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that God created the clovers, right? Like, that God started it. That's the point of Genesis 1, point of Genesis 2. But you know what the point of Genesis 3 is? It's not sin. That's what happens in Genesis 3. But the point of Genesis 3 is God's pursuit of his people. That from Genesis 3 on, God is taking what he created, and he's pursuing right relationship with it, to restore the right relationship. Because see, in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there was a garden, and, and Adam and Eve were in it, and they, whoever else God created, and they were all walking around, and, and you know who was walking with them? God. God was walking with them. They were just kind of all hanging out, like, hey, this is what it's meant to be. And then sin gets in the way, 
It's true for our lives too, isn't it? And then sin gets in the way, and our connection to God seems to be a little frazzled, right? We get a little disconnected. We get a little more distant. And, and then God's got to do something to kind of draw us back in. He, he invites us back to church, or you, you, know, you, you bump into somebody who, who reminds you of things of God, or, or you find a something, or you listen to something on the radio. You find some way in which you're like, oh, I need to come back to that. I need to come back to that. Well, watch this. John's vision is that you never again have to have that moment. John's vision is that on the eternal side, Jesus is just always in the center. That our hearts are always just like, right there, right there, right there. Can you just imagine if you didn't have to like fight the fight for what's right, if you just actually always were like, got it. Can you imagine? Like spouses, can you imagine like if your spouse never did anything that kind of rubbed you wrong? Can you just imagine that? Like, glory. Engaged couples in the room? Glory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of engaged couples in the room, hey! We love you. Well, there's only, only half of that engaged couples in the room right now. I don't know. Uh, Rick, I think he got raptured or something. He's not back there right now. <clears throat> um, hey, we, uh, Amanda, Amanda, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. If you don't know, Rick and Amanda got engaged. Uh, Friday, Friday, there he is, he's back. <clears throat> All right, so driving that point home, our second point this morning, our life on earth will give way to an eternal life with God. Friends, let me say this to you as clearly as I can. If you live in this place in relationship with Jesus, God has promised us a forever place in right relationship with him. Everyone's life will end here on earth with an invitation into eternity. But the invitation into eternity with Jesus is reserved for those who have trusted in Jesus while they were here in this place. I don't want to spend my time trying to figure out what the opposite of that looks like. I don't want to debate with people about you know, how harsh the time and absent of God will be, whether there'll be flames and torture or whether it'll just be like this really sad day that never ends where God is not present. Either way, I don't want to know about it, and I want to invite you to never have to find out about it. I believe that Jesus' greatest desire is that every one of us would be in right relationship with him now and in eternal right relationship with him going forward. Our life on earth will give way to eternal life with God. As we wind this down, let me, let me bring home our last point. If you turn with me to Philippians in the third chapter in the 12th verse, um, this is what it says starting in verse 12, ending on verse 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, all right, before I get into that one thing I do, what he just said is, he said, there's something ahead of me, and, and I haven't gotten it all, even though I'm trying to work toward it, I'm striving toward it, and, and some, some things are going in the right direction. But I'm moving in the right way. I'm moving in the right way. So he says, here's what I do. I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Paul's given this illustration, this picture of having a goal in mind. I remember one time I ran a 5K. Well, I walked the 5K. I crawled a little bit of the 5K. I ran for a couple of moments in the 5K. But, but, I, but I did a 5K one time, and I remember that, you know, I was, I was, the, the folks I was going with, they said, look, you just remember there's a, there's a finish line. There's a finish line. And, 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 and I remember, you know, jumping off the start line, and I just, I booked, man. I sprinted as hard and fast as I could. I said, there's a finish line, and I want to get there. And then about 10, 15 seconds later, I was like, the finish line's not close enough. And I had to slow down. And then, you know, so I, I moved from a sprint to a trot, and then from a trot to a knot, right? Like, I just stopped. And I was, like, I was, I was frozen. And the people were, like, running past me, like, there's a finish line. I was like, well, where is it? I can't see it. 
Just remember, there's a finish line. Keep moving. And so people would literally like be dragging me along in this race. And, and they're like, come on, just come on, come on. And I would hobble along a little bit further and a little bit further. But, but as, I, as I got toward the end and the other racers had finished and they came back and they were, they were helping me to get there, I, I started to move again because I, I, I got light. I got a vision for it. I, I could see. I could see where I was going. I, I needed to get this last, you know, half mile. I, I could see it way out there. There was a line that I was going to cross, and, and there was Gatorades waiting for me, and I could not wait to get there. I had a goal in mind, and even though it was hard to get moving in that direction, I had to at some point say, I got to forget how difficult this is. I got to strain toward the goal. I got to press on ahead. Some of us have lost sight of the goal. But I think even more than that, some of us have been confused at what the goal is. I've, uh, while we were traveling, everybody I met was like, oh, you're from Philly. And they, they knew that because I had my, my Sixers hat on, and, and, uh, and, 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 and I probably didn't talk like people that think they saw every day. And so uh, they were like, you're not from here. Where are you from? Philly. Okay, great. And then Without a doubt, like almost every person would be like, what do you think's going on with the Sixers? And I was just like, yeah. I think everybody in Philly's asking that same question. Like, what is going on with the Sixers, right? <clears throat> and I, I, I've come to this point, and you, you, we could disagree on that, it's fine. This, this, is, this is a minor, not a major. I've come to the point where the problem is not the process. The problem is not, you know, the players. The problem is we've just lost sight of the goal. Like, we've lost sight of the goal. Like, we've We've at times gotten really excited about mediocrity, and at times we've been like, hey, you know, we're, we're, moving, we're, we're doing better than we did, which was awful. We're doing better than we did, so that's good. We, we've lost sight of the goal. The goal, the goal when we, we all started in this conversation was the Sixers were going to be this dominant NBA team that was going to win championships. We've lost sight of that goal. And so we've replaced that goal with something else, like, hey, we just we got to win the conference, or we got to be better than the Celtics, which doesn't say much right now these days. But... Um, I want to say to us today as we think about this, that I know some of y'all just got lost on a basketball analogy. I'm sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. Like, it's my sweet spot. Forgive me. <clears throat> I, want, I want to say to us today that, that a bunch of us have actually moved the goal. You see, here's what I mean by this. Many of us have bought this idea that the goal of this life is heaven. That that's the prize of our faith. That heaven is the prize. And we spend all of our time trying to figure out what's heaven going to be like and who's going to be there and what's the minimum standard to get in. And I think heaven is, no, I don't think this. I know heaven is real. And I know heaven is an eternal destination for all who believe in Jesus. And I know heaven is where most of us will spend eternity. And I believe that heaven will be crowded with people who we are really surprised that are there, and, and a lot of people were like, man, I knew you, from the moment I heard about you, I knew you were going to be here, right? Like, I know those things are true, but I don't think the goal of life is heaven. I think the goal of life is the picture that we started with. Who's seated in the middle? You see, I believe that what we're seeking to understand here today is that God desires right now, not just in eternity, to be seated in the middle. To be the center of all that drives you. To be the, the direction that you're going. To be the prize of our faith. So I'll say it this way. The prize of our faith is not heaven. It is unimpaired relationship with the king. The prize of our faith is not heaven, but an unimpaired relationship with the king. Friends, you might be like me and struggle at times to, to have a, a, a regular pattern of reading scripture. You might be like me and struggle at times to, to have a, a regular quiet time that happens every day. You might be like me and struggle at times to, to, to impart enough biblical wisdom to your kids. You might be like me and struggle at times with being, uh, you know, being godly in all of your relationships. You might be like me and struggle at times in any other kind of way. The goal 
of this life is that the things that, that create those struggles will stop being the center and will be replaced with Christ. You see, in the 23rd Psalm, in the 6th verse, David says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David understood that the great inheritance of his faith was to be in the presence of the Lord forever. Forever doesn't start after our eyes close here. Forever just started. I want to invite you. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. If you haven't yet, invite Jesus to be the center. And then again tomorrow when you wake up, invite Jesus to be the center. If you're not sure what to do the next day, repeat what you did today. Invite Jesus to be the center. Today is a special day in my life. Um, Yesterday was a special day in Pastor Charlie's life. Today is a special day in my life. Uh, Michelle, 13 years ago today, woke up in the morning and and agreed to that evening to, to spend forever with me. Like, made it legal. Like, I will, I do, yes. Yeah, so happy 13th anniversary today. <laughs> what we didn't know in full in that moment, and we probably still don't know in full, but we're continuing to learn every day, is that that day, August 29th of 2008, that day when we made that commitment, we were going to need to renew that commitment every day. Every day. And some days, it was super easy to renew the commitment. Like, woo, we were in Hawaii, woo, you know, easy to renew commitments in Hawaii, right? Amen, amen, amen. Those who were just there, yeah, yeah. Some days, I am mad. I've not experienced this, but I imagine Michelle has experienced this. I imagine, imagine some days it was harder to commit to me, right? Like, I just wasn't as committable. You're always committable. I wasn't as committable. Friends, I imagine this to be true for us in our walk with Jesus. Some days, super easy, super high. Some days, it's gray. But this isn't the end. And so, God, I center, I own you. I recognize and give you that place again, center of my life, center of my day. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are, uh, you're forever for us. I thank you, God, that you are indeed preparing an eternal place for us. But God, hey, right now, you invite us into an eternal place right here, right now. A relationship with you that, that is centered on your promises and your goodness. God, for the person who might be here today who's saying, I just, I've seen so many hard things, it's hard for me to imagine that God is still for me, or, I, or I, I've gone in such a, such a way that it's hard for me to imagine that God could still be for me. God, I, I pray that you would declare that truth over them, that you are for them, that you are for them, that you love them, that you died for them. God, that you're renewing your desire, your heart's desire for them every day. You're inviting them back, you're inviting them back, you're inviting them back, you're forgiving, you're forgiving. You're extending your grace. And God, for some of us who, who might have thought like, oh, I just, I, I just, one time I just need to ask Jesus to be part of my life and then it's, it's all good from there. God, might, might, we, might we remember that, you know, daily we need to be renewed in our relationship with you. Daily we need to say yes to the commitment to you being our God and us being your people. So God, we honor you. We thank you, God, that you are the inheritance of our faith. That a place is not the inheritance. That happiness is not the inheritance. That you, Jesus Christ, the center of life, that you are the inheritance. You are what we are striving toward. You're the goal of the prize of our faith. So, God, we honor you. 
will seek to be your people. We'll seek to set you at center of our life. And God, any times when we're a little bit off skew, I pray, God, that you just center us back. Center us back. Move us back towards you. God, you're so good to us. We're reminded of that today. We're reminded of that through relationship with people around us. We're reminded of that through the teaching of your word. We're reminded of that through, through ways that you speak to us, through songs and through prayer. We're reminded of that as we see healings happen. We're reminded of that as you call people into a new relationship and as you call people in relationship with you home. God, we're reminded of how good you are. So God, we honor you. We honor you, we honor you, we honor you. We love you, God. We believe upon you for great things. And we invite you to have center stage, center of our life. God, receive all of which we offer. As we sing this last song, receive it. As we give our gifts and our tithes and our offerings on the way out today, receive them, God. As we spend time together celebrating young Declan and the church family, receive it, God. But don't just receive it because we offer it. Receive it because you are the center of it. It all hubs around you. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song together. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.